God's design for marriage is found in Matthew chapter 19. Jesus said, at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Welcome to By Design from American Family Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this latest edition, newest edition of By Design, where your host will be myself, Abraham Hamilton III, and my lovely wife. Hey, hey, guys. That is Maria Hamilton, and we have turned By Design once again into the Hamilton's corner. As the the lead-in just indicated, it is God himself who instituted Marriage. It is not a sociological construct. It is not a feature of Western civilization. The reality is that marriage predates Western civilization. And God, by creation rights as its designer, is also its sole definer. That's right. You can put that on a t-shirt, tweet that, hashtag <laughs> it all you want. As a definer, he is its sole designer. We want to talk for this uh, program about marriage before parenting. Marriage before parenting. What does that mean? Unfortunately, in our society, it has become an all too frequent phenomenon where you have spouses who are who are who are married. They raise children together. Sometimes later on in the marriage, it disintegrates. Or at the empty nest phase when the spouses no longer have children in the home, they come to learn, or if you're from New Orleans, they kind of find out that they have disconnected in terms of relating to one another. Husband no longer knows, air quotes, y'all can't see me. I'm in the studio putting air quotes in the air like y'all can see me. So that's what I'm telling you about it. Knows his wife. His, the, the wife no longer knows her husband. How does this happen? Well, the, 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 to cut right down to it, it often occurs as a result of couples allowing, spouses allowing their entire married lives to focus so much so on the children to where they lose their interaction with one another. In order to avoid that pitfall, if you will, it requires intentionality. Intentionality. I think it's, it's also... Um quite natural, especially from the mother's perspective, right? It's quite natural to, because we're carrying the babies, we're ca- because we're, I guess, more nurturing, designed that way, uh, we're caregivers, we have to uh, sp- spend logistically and practically so much time with our children and pouring into our children and, and shaping them that we get so caught up with that because practically it does take a lot of time we get so caught up in that and and even um, unintentionally make that our primary focus that as we matriculate through life, we get to the stage where now they no longer need us, the children, and they no longer, you know, need as much time or whatever. And then we don't know what to do with ourselves. And then mm-hmm. we've lost, you know, that connection with our husbands. Then what do we do from there? Mm-hmm. And then going back and trying to rebuild is quite hard. Mm-hmm. Um, not impossible, but hard. Mm-hmm. And you and you also have the phenomenon, and this is just the reality, uh, in the day and age where we where, that we're in today, broken families are so prevalent. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot of times, people unintentionally. I don't think people enter marriages. You don't get married thinking, "Hey, this is what I'm going to do." But I think unintentionally, people get married and parent from such a deficit 
that they kind of pair it from the position that I want to give little Johnny, little Junie everything I didn't have. And so uh, <laughs> Johnny and Junie become the sun, and the parents just kind of orbit around the reality, the, the existence and the life and the, the soccer schedule, the travel ball schedules of the children. And in the wake of all of that, the marriage is crumbling. And nobody although, sees it. Nobody notices the crumble, it. the crumble has not been externalized Lord. yet. So we want to address that in this program. One of the first things we have to understand, one of the best things you could ever do for your children, and Marie and I, we have young children in our home right now. I know there are lots of people listening. You're at different stages in your own lives. Uh, but but uh, this is something that I think a lot of people can resonate with, some having experienced it and some uh, hopefully this will help them avoid experiencing what we're describing here today. One of the first things we have to understand is the one, the best thing you can do, one of the best things you can do for your children is have a strong, loving, thriving, and committed marriage. We all know that the frequently used saying more is caught than is taught. One of the best things you can do for your children is demonstrate what a loving, thriving, lifelong, committed relationship, and not relationship, marriage looks like. Yeah. It requires intentionality. One, one of the simple things, I even say this to our children frequently, you know mommy comes first. Yeah. You know mommy comes first. I love you all, but mommy comes first. Um, even like when I come home, sometimes I make sure I hug and kiss mommy before I get to the children. Not because I don't love my children. Y'all know I love my children. But I need them to see the overt demonstration that mommy comes first. I think one foundational truth that we must embrace as Christians is the understanding of when Jesus explains from the Old Testament um, that the two become one flesh. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't say, um, I guess that understanding does not uh, include the children in that oneness. It's the husband and the wife becoming mm -hmm. one and then having godly seed, mm -hmm. right, that comes after. So the oneness, um, of course, we can talk about practically what that looks like, but just foundationally, we must understand and embrace fully what it means to become one. And yes, one in unity, one in union, one in functionality, and, and of course, you know, um, accomplishing the mission that God has for that particular union. Um, but that oneness is an unseparable oneness, right? It's a, it's a unity that once you enter into that covenant, just as Jesus enters into the covenant with us, he becomes, right, the example of uh, how the husbands are to love the wives and the wives submit to the husbands and all of that is the, the word picture or the illustration of Jesus's love for his bride and how his commitment to us is, is not uh, temporary. His mm. commitment to us is not um, based on, Circumstances, conditional. yeah, conditional. Mm -hmm. It is, it is his heart for his bride is intentional and it is one. It is committed forever, and so I think if we understand that as our foundation in our, in our marriages, we can we can have a solid um, platform to stand on, for lack of a better explanation. You know, where we understand that we we are one. So that is, we have to be intentional about about consistently um, connecting. And remaining that one strong unit. So what? Let, I'm just. I'm gonna ask it this way because mm -hmm. obviously, like I said, we we have five children of our own. Right. You know, maybe more yeah. coming soon yeah. to a family near you. <laughs> um, growing through the process of uh, being married with without having any children of our own, then uh, getting pregnant, going through that process. What are some of the things in your in your experience, just in our in our union? that have helped you 
uh, keep our marriage front and center and even focused on as a priority, even above our commitments to our children. So if we I know one thing that I have been very intentional about is prayer. But I was going to say before I said that, that if we allow for the situations and the circumstances in our lives, whether good or bad situations, to dictate how we are to operate, then we like really can fail. Right. So um, with uh, with us, you know, we had the two years in the beginning. I guess it wouldn't even you say it's not two years, yeah, but well, maybe it yeah. was a year and a half. Maybe the two years was during while I was pregnant. But um, there was a significant amount of time in the beginning, I would say, where it was just you and I. Right. And of course, that's easy. We're intentional because this is you and I. When the children started coming, my time gets really divided. And I'm very much I mean, you know, caretaking and all of that. And so my, my prayer was always, Lord, and this is really funny, but I guess cheesy, not funny, cheesy. I would always pray and I would say, Lord, help us to continue to fan that flame, right? And not just in like the intimacy, you know, passion for one another, but in that like awareness of how intentional we should be with one another, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would always pray and I still pray that. I still pray that because with five kids under 10 years old, you know, working and doing all these things. It some can respect get... on his name. The oldest one is 11 now. Oh, Keep Lord. up with his wife. Look at me. See, I lose track. Um, So all these uh, the reality that there's a lot of moving pieces that we have to, you know, do in our 24 hour days, you know. So my prayer, it's always been prayer, really. It starts in prayer. I always every morning, every night, I'm like, Lord, help us to remain intentional. Help us to remain uh, passionately pursuing one another. Um, Help us to uh, understand how to work together as a team, not just to accomplish tasks, Mm-hmm. but to remain connected. And mm-hmm. so I know we have a ritual kind of that we do every once in a while where we check our love tanks. You want to mm-hmm. you want to go with that? You want to explain that? Yeah, I, we can explain it. I mean, Cuz you started it, you originated it. Well, yeah, you? and it's, it's from the book we read together, yeah. uh, The Five Love Languages. We yeah. read that book uh together um either right before we got married or once we got married. I don't remember I which don't remember, one. But it was early on. But it was mm-hmm. very early on. And so that's ver- phraseology Gary Chapman used in in the book. And the whole premise of the book is that oftentimes marriages face difficulties not because of a lack of love, but because of deficiency communicating that love. Yeah. Because of the differences in love language, some people communicate and receive love in one particular language, and others communicate and receive love in the other in a different particular language. And oftentimes we endeavor to express love selfishly. Yeah. In that. And again, this is not intentional, right. but it's selfish in that we endeavor to communicate love in the way that we receive it, as opposed to taking the time to learn how our spouses, how our wife, in my instance, how my wife receives love. If her love language is different from mine, it will be selfish of me to solely communicate in my language and yet expect her to feel physically, emotionally, and tangibly that she is loved. So right. that's the premise of the book. And so Gary Chapman goes on to explain that when that happens, uh, spouses' love tanks often diminish, and one spouse doesn't know it. And, and, and again, this is not a promo for the book, but, you know, if you have a husband who is his primary love language is acts of service, uh, you know, to where, you know, he keeps the cars cleaned, he changes the oil, changes the brakes, keeps them operable, keeps the lawn mowed pristinely looking like uh, the grass at the Masters, you know, and the golf course. And, um, you know, he keeps the gutters clean, the house operating, the whole nine. Then he comes to find out 10 years in, his wife says, but honey, I don't know if you love me. And the husband is like, what? Don't you see all the things I do for you? 
because his primary love language is acts of service. Well, the wife's love language in this hypothetical scenario, this is not Maria, by the way, uh, uh, the wife's primary love language is quality time. So he's doing all of these things, which are great things, which his wife cer- certainly appreciates, but that is not communicating the love that the husband definitely has for her, but is not communicating that to her. So in that instance, the wife's, hypothetically, her love tank would diminish. While the husband is thinking he's got it all blowing and going, and then it creates frustration and resentment because he's like, I don't understand what she means. She don't let me. She don't even notice the things I do for her. And then you have this ping ponging of resentment. They feel and all unappreciated that. and things of that right. nature. And so the the love language is investing the amount of time, investing the time to see well, how does my wife receive love and give love? And it often comes out in terms of things that she would like to do. Mm-hmm. You know, if the wife says, well, would you when you come home, would you mind just coming sit down with me for fifteen minutes? And husband is thinking, but I got all these things I need to do because he's thinking this is how I'm communicating that I love you. When, when, when the wife is like, I just want you to come and watch this cheesy show with me. That's yeah. what I want. Mm-hmm. You know, so said all of that. Man, you know, I get evangelistic. You know? <laughs> um, having said all of that, one of the things we start to employ is communicating. It is, it is wrong and I would say emotionally abusive to assume and expect for your husband or your wife to be a mind reader. I think it's it's um, so, like, common, the understanding of, like, what makes a marriage work. It's communication. It's communication. And that is factual and true. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, what do we mean when we say there are that, details right? details and nuances that have to be grasped in the communication. Yes. When, where, why, and how to communicate in these multiple areas right. that affect our relationship. One thing that has helped us, though, that because when we, came, when we became one, sir, <laughs> I remember— we it was different styles of communication. Yeah. I was not used to like being like Abe, and I don't need to be like Abe. And so I'm like, hold up. So I think it's um, learning. First of all, starting out understanding selflessness, right? That I am not that I am here for you, but that I am um, responsible for loving you in a way that you feel and lo- and understand and grasp likewise vice versa right you yes. do the same for me and so when when you start with that foundation of selflessness then you go on into um attempting to and it's hard yes sometimes but attempting to fully understand the heart of the person mm-hmm. right because i think w- for you and i we had had moments of disagreements and moments of like frustration with one another because we're, because we're not communicating clearly and we stop we attempt we try to stop we're not perfect but we try to stop and think about what what is the heart that you are exhibiting right now like what is in your heart like the other day at the restaurant i was like i was stung by something you said you um, face you made and it hurt. And then literally in the moment, of course, the hurt happens. But then I'm like, let me let me stop. It could have blown up into like having disagreements and kind of being ugly toward each other. But I was like, man, I know you love me. Like, I know what is in your heart. I know you love me. So then let's talk about how to best communicate with one another to show that love continuously, constantly, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes like all right, let me stop. Let me not go all in my own feelings and get, creating all these things in my mind. Let me stop and let me consider what he has demonstrated about himself and then communicating at that heart level is my is what I'm saying. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like communicating at the heart level, not just like based on circumstances, you yeah. know? But then the reality is that if when we sit down and when we sit back and take a deep breath and consider that, what are we really saying? We are not just trying to operate from a humanistic perspective. We are trying to imitate Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And that is that the understanding of his intentionality, the understanding of his perseverance, 
with us the understanding of his um, of his uh, great uh, I guess intentionality is the word but great uh, attention to detail in his creating us and even in his demonstrating his love for us is what we are to imitate in our marriages right mm-hmm. so because he's he perseveres because he's selfless because he's uh, intentional and he's so uh, he, he so, so pays attention to detail we are also to love our spouses in that way mm-hmm. which is a monumental task, but by the Spirit of God, we are able to do that and try to, and we continue to try to do that. Yeah, and so we, we started off this by talking about what we do between you and I. We yeah. do frequent check-ins on your love tank. Yes. As simply as saying, how's your love tank today? Yes. When and we, being honest about how to answer that. And being Yes, and being honest about how to answer that. When, when I ask you that question, you know what I am asking is not whether you know I love you. What I am asking is, do you feel loved right. today? Yes, that's exactly what we're asking. Yeah. Do you feel loved today? And by answering the question candidly, it gives me an opportunity. Because here's the other p- component. When I ask you that question, I am humbling myself and making myself vulnerable to potentially receive a response that says no. Yeah, yeah. So if I say, how's your love tank today in in you know, you and I, you say, man, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on a quarter mm-hmm. using the gas tank mm-hmm. me- metaphor. I'm, I'm close to on E. I'm on this. I'm on that. It gives me an opportunity to stop and say, okay, what, what has been going on? What have we been doing? And because I know your love language, I know how to respond to that beca- because of us being together, which requires, in order to respond to that appropriately, which requires us to to study our spouses, to study, right, to to know how they communicate, how they receive love, and so. Uh, by employing that with regularity, it gives us an opportunity to check in. One of, one of the things that we've grown to enjoy that we like taking road trips uh, because it gives us an opportunity to have lo- prolonged, uninterrupted conversations as opposed to our day-to-day lives. We often are interrupted because we have five little ones mm-hmm. <laughs> from 11 to, to four. That's now. right, because he's a big uh, boy. Because he's a big boy <laughs> now. Um <laughs> That we have frequent interruptions, but those prolonged conversations create those opportunities. Another practical thing, and I wanted to get into this too, we have trained our children to come to respect this glorious phenomenon in Hamiltonia. That's what we call our home. To, uh, our home. Yeah. It's called mommy-daddy time. Yes. All the churn. Get out. <laughs> all the churn know when it's mommy-daddy time, the door to our bedroom closes and ain't now one youngin allowed to enter the sanctums of our bedroom. And for yo, those of you who are thinking in the wrong way, <laughs> mommy and daddy time isn't limited to any particular time of day. Sometimes we have mommy and daddy time at 10 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes we have it later on in the evenings. But it's time that we intentionally set aside regularly in our home. It's not necessarily programmatic, right. uh, but there are times when we can even feel that we need some moments together of uninterrupted time, you know? And so the children know when it's mommy, daddy time, don't knock on the door. Don't ask any questions. You know, don't, don't, don't bother us until we open the door again. And once the door is open, then they know that mommy, daddy time is over. Now here's some, some, some prerequisites for mommy, daddy time. If we know we're going to have mommy and daddy time, we try to field all requests and concerns before we close the door. Right. You know, is anybody hungry? Does anybody, thank God we ain't in diapers no more, so we got to change them with diapers. <laughs> oh, wait, hold up. We need a praise break for that. We need to cue an organ 
hotkey. Yeah. Because I got a shout on that one. Y'all, y'all don't know. Y'all don't know the struggle. You know. <laughs> we had but, three in diapers at one time, y'all. It's man, crazy. man, we had crazy. three in diapers for like five years. <laughs> yes. Two and three. You know, yes. five to seven years. Anyway, <laughs> stay on focus. Stay on track, Abraham. Uh, <laughs> when it's mommy daddy time, before we close the door, we we feel all requests, make sure everybody's okay, nobody's bleeding. Nobody needs anything so that we can have those moments of uninterrupted communication and a union building. That's how I view it. It's yes. union building because I want my wife to know that I am willing to stop the world in order to connect with her. And she, who's right here, who can speak for <laughs> herself, I'll stop talking. Uh, you, Maria, do the same thing for me. Yeah. How has the phenomenon of mommy-daddy time aided us in putting our marriage before even our children and continuing to preserve the connection that we've enjoyed since our wedding day. And I tell everybody, I'm still on my honeymoon. I, I really feel yeah. like I'm still on our honeymoon. And we're I think it just, be, it just because um, what has aided us in that is, again, just being super intentional. Like, it's like a thing that it, we have always throughout the years uh, uh, worked hard on, you know, and not worked like it's laborious or yeah. like burdensome, but just really being intentional about it. And so, um, yeah, I always um, am like self-examining, you know, like really introspectively under uh, trying to really be honest with the way I'm feeling and share it with you. And then likewise, you know, whenever I ask you, like, how's your love tank? Um, just being open to like, well, this area and this area. And, you know, you have to be like, ah, you know, I've missed it or whatever. Or like, I'm sorry, you know, I've been caught up over here, over there. And so um, it has really helped. And I think that um, the mommy and daddy time helps to kind of just regroup. And even like we use that time for so many things. Like we'll use that time for like, hey, let me tell you what happened today with one of the ch children. And mm -hmm. what do you think I should have done? And maybe could would you talk to them too? Because I think we I missed it here or whatever. Or, you know, just asking for your insight on, on different things, talking about what needs to happen next. You know, it's kind of like trying to figure out what else needs to be done and, and getting your insight on things. But also we use it to spend time together. Mm -hmm. Let's, what are we going to watch tonight? Or, what you know, whatever we going to do together. Um and of course, even some time of intimacy that that has to happen as well, and so we enjoy that time together. Sometimes, listen, stop. We are y'all. Don't let him go get going on this. Yo, sidetrack. Um, oh no, you know I he's ain't a hot mess. at all. I'm very focused. <laughs> I need to keep him in line, y'all. I'm telling you. Um, so, anyways, so mommy and daddy's time has been very, you very beneficial. I did see and look at your face. I already see you. Anyways. Um, He's a mommy daddy time when we get off the show. You better stop. <laughs> see, you see how I got to get him right, y'all? He's a mess. Um, anyways, it is she very can't important. Even focus now. I can't focus. Off. I can't focus because this man is a hot mess. <laughs> Jay, you saw him last night. A mess. Anyways. Um, yeah, so I'm saying that it is very important. It is very, very important that we are honest with ourselves during that time and that we use it wisely and that we're intentional about creating those times. Two things I want to say. So first, <clears throat> excuse me, um, when we say intentionality, it's very easy to conflate the idea of intentionality with laboriousness. Yeah. As if the intentionality is a drudgery or as if it is mechanic or as if it is robotic. What I have found that when you establish a foundation of commitment, 
that creates the environment for intimacy to flourish. And obviously intimacy is far more than physical. Yeah. Um, in, in, in fact, you know, I, I tell my wife, a little inside poor, I tell her I make love all day long, you know. And he does. <laughs> and get your hands out the gutter. Making love <laughs> is communicating love yeah. all day long, yeah. which obviously impacts uh, the physical aspects as well. But what an environment of commitment with a lot, which allows intimacy to flourish when your spouse sees you selflessly devoting yourself to their emotional, physical, and mental well-being, it provokes a voluntary willingness that causes the intentionality to be joyous. I call it game, y'all. I call it game, don't I? I do call it game. I know it's serious, but it's true. Like, you are so intentional about demonstrating your uh, intentionality and your, um, I keep saying intentional, but it's true, like your uh, commitment to to ensuring that I feel loved, mm-hmm. that I just call it you run a game. But not like in a deceitful manner, like the world uses that. Or manipulatively. Or manipulatively, like, right, like the world uses it. But I just, you're just like making deposits, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I think it's very, um, it's, it's very good for the strengthening of our marriage. Mm-hmm. And and so, and I'm saying that to say, because I don't want anybody to misconstrue intentionality with being something other than what it is. That intentionality is just what we described, that that selfless devotion and commitment to making sure you, my wife, that you are full in every aspect of who God has created you to be. That causes the intentionality to be joyous and easy to engage in. The next thing I I want to say is... The, 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 the truth is that relationship disintegration often is the product of a bunch of small cuts that accumulate over time. Something as small as intentionally investing yourself with on a regular and consistent basis in the fullness of your spouse will foreclose the empty nest stages where relationship rot if you will is revealed because right. when the, when what happens is is that the rot is just exposed before the empty nest stage just using that for, as an example occurs you're so busy in activity you know but you have to understand we have to understand that busyness and movement is not synonymous with progress or growth right you can move consistently and not grow at all you can move frequently and not grow at all something as small as committing yourself to this intentionality in cultivating this, your connection and your union with your spouse before your children will pay dividends for the duration of your marriage and it will enable you to continue in your union, in your, in your committed, joyous, fulfilled union status, regardless of the stage your children may be in. So that actually when they become adults and live their own lives. You get an opportunity to enjoy your oneness and your union with your with your wife or with your husband at an, another clip. Yeah, we even make plans like, man, what is it going to be like? You know, um, I think another thing to consider also is the reality of the example that we are setting for our children in their hopes of finding a spouse. Right. Mm-hmm. That they would see what oneness looks like, not perfection, but what striving for that you know union to look like because it is an illustration of Christ and his bride that we give them that example and then they hopefully will be searching in that same vein, you know. Putting your marriage before your children will even bless your children because it'll establish the baseline for what they expect marriage to look like. Yeah. And so if it don't look like it look right, it ain't going to be for them. 
Y'all understand what I'm talking about. This is by design by American Family Radio, radio where it's one man, one woman for life.